Welcome to The Rebound, where we'll explore the issues facing supply chain managers as our industry gets back up and running in a post-COVID world. This podcast is hosted by Abe Eskenazi, CEO of the Association for Supply Chain Management, and Bob Troublecock, Editorial Director of Supply Chain Management Review. Remember that Abe and Bob welcome your comments. Now to today's episode. Welcome to today's episode of The Rebound, Planning's Neck Back. I'm Bob Troublecock. And I'm Abe Eskenazi. And joining us today is Fazlur Rahman. Fazlur is the GCOE, Global Lead of Demand Planning and Process Integration at Kraft Heinz. Faz, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. And uh, it has been a while, Abe, like since we last connected. So, so glad to see you. Well, we're thrilled to have you as well. You know, one of the themes Abe and I have explored on The Rebound is the impact of two years of supply chain disruptions on forecasting, planning, and SNOP. After all, at the end of the day, your ability to execute is only as good as the accuracy of your plan. So our question is, well, what's planning's next act? In other words, what are the factors impacting planning today? And how will the process and planning professionals adapt to this new environment? Basler is the perfect guest for that discussion. Along with owning the demand planning function on a global basis at Kraft Heinz, he's also involved in digital transformation of the company, which includes the challenges of getting value from AI and machine learning, technologies that promise to transform all of our processes, including planning. So Faz, first question, why don't you describe the current environment for us as a planner for a global supply chain? What have the last two years been like for you? Yeah, I mean, I would say the last two years have been challenging when it comes to planning and especially when it comes to, you know, execution of that plan. I would say planning is actually more dependent upon the external factors, external intelligence, market intelligence than ever before at this point. Uh, Whatever customers are planning to do to offset pressure of inflation, price increase to the consumers, what what our suppliers are facing challenges on it, this intelligence, which typically uh, exist in an unstructured way, in, in unstructured data points, or even sometimes highly dependent upon supplier and customer collaboration, that has become more important ever than before to run our SNOP or IBP process. Also, I would say material shortages, higher operational cost, labor, and demand volatility are the biggest concerns for the supply chains uh, at this moment, and especially when it comes to planning. I would also want to say one thing. I think in the last two years, there has been tremendous efforts to consider more leading indicators to predict consumer demand, for example, in our case in food and beverages business. And also macroeconomic factors are seeing larger variation than the market or any economist forecast. We can talk about inflation numbers, which have been volatile against the forecast coming from the inflation predictions. And that has also has increased our need to go more, to, more and more towards scenario-based planning. So it's no longer about two, like one or two different likelihoods it has uh, in planning. We are seeing the need of more and more different scenarios and different likelihoods. So in a nutshell, yeah, challenging two years, learning from it, uh, but things are improving. Yeah. One of the things you just mentioned was unstructured data. And I know like I've, I've had conversations with um, a very, very large wine and spirits distributor who said that their their historical records no longer like you know did what they did they were no longer valid and so they started doing things like subscribing to nielsen data because they needed to get data you know from other sources that they would not traditionally have turned to and you mentioned unstructured data can you just talk a little bit about the data sources you're uh, you're looking to now and then we'll turn it back over to Abe. 
Oh yeah, great question. I, I mean, I would say like uh, when it comes to specific things around our assumption on price elasticity, for example, it's one of the biggest drivers in today's world for specific businesses where we have higher price, for example, and consumers are very sensitive to price. Those elasticity assumptions uh, come from different analytics. Like it's not like a straightforward transactional data point or point of sales data. Like there has to be an analytics a model which is driving that leading indicator input into our models. And that has been more volatile. And where you're going to get it, it's not through a simple integration. You have to rely on specific analyst forecast or even like companies uh, like Nielsen and IRI providing that insights to us. Uh, how to make it structured and make it part of our process has been a challenge. Uh, one example. And then second recent one, I mean, if you think about during COVID and even now, consumer behavior in, in food, especially related to food has changed, right? People are eating more inside. Now there's a whole switch on going back to the restaurants and we have a business of food service. For that, we have to rely on, let's say, mobility data. But how good is that mobility data? Like where we are going to get it from? Of course, we have partnered with certain vendors and who are providing that. And how we are going to make it part of your IBP process and planning process has been a challenge here. Faz, you're bringing up a, a couple of really interesting points. Uh, you brought up the, the, the ideas of the macro factors impacting a lot of the internal planning, um, unstructured data having a, you know, an impact on your forecasts as well as your the pricing for the organization. Prior to the pandemic, we were an extremely efficient supply chain. Uh, just in time, your, your planning forecasts were fairly close to accuracy. Now we're dealing in an almost, you know, the, the variability is now challenging everybody at almost every step along the way. So as you're evaluating, you know, not only unstructured data, but the internal data, does it require you to work differently with your partners in the organization or, you know, much more collaboratively with the sales side? Or, you know, give me a sense of how that's changed your planning horizon as well as your relationships with your teammates. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I will first start with the planning horizon here. I mean, uh, when when we talk about a typical planning process, I mean, it's it goes based upon the industry. You're talking about short-term planning, mid-term planning, long-term planning, you know, three-month plan, six-month plan, two-year plan, right? Uh, with the challenges, especially on the supplier side, there has been more and more emphasis on mid-term planning because we would like to secure the capacity at our co-packers, also materials from our suppliers, and also would like to understand their challenges. So industry has been too much customer facing, which we should be, consumer facing, which we should be, but the supplier facing side has been ignored. Typically procurement is not having uh, used to have that much of a voice in the IBP process. Now there's more and more engagement, even with the procurement teams, materials planning teams, at how we can actually really understand uh, what we will be able to actually commit to our customers, right? On the other side, of course, that's the internal stakeholder I mentioned. One of the one which has which has been very interesting is if you think about, especially the businesses which are which are very much heavily focused on trade spend, right? They give the trades trade to the customers, right? And there are a lot of assumptions around revenue management. They, they have different models. Previously, it was just an input to the process. Now it's actually really the SNOP organizations going in and challenging revenue management models there's more and more collaboration needed i i can even one give one give, i can give one very concrete example on it if you think about food business we also have the responsibility from the esg perspective like we don't want to waste food right and if the food products which are short shelf life like cheese and dairy and meats product like we really have to be very precise about planning 
And if our assumptions are on the consumer uh, on the consumer price and elasticity side actually goes wrong, sometimes we have too much stock and we have to throw it out or donate, right? And if we actually underproduce and then we have uh, out of on shelf availability issues, and uh, those products our consumers actually consume daily right? The hot dogs and all that, right? So the collaboration, not just with the procurement, but also with the revenue management has improved. And of course, it's a journey. Uh, and there's a lot of challenge uh, coming from our uh, demand planning organization as SNOP to the internal stakeholders that how we can actually build a good plan and also execute against it. One of the things that you talked about uh, when you and I did the planning for this, and you kind of touched on it in one of your earlier answers is your portfolio at Kraft Heinz, I, I, I described it as kind of bifurcated, meaning on the one hand, you have some high-end products. On the other hand, you have more you know, price-conscious products. And now you're trying to balance those two in an inflationary environment where there might be less demand for the higher-end products, more demand for the consumer cost products than is traditional. How do you balance all of that? How do you... How do you you know, figure out uh, what to do with the high end, what to do with the cost conscious. Yeah, I would say, of course, I mean, we are still in the in the learning journey on this one, but there are certain basics and the foundations which uh, uh, the need of actually applying them in the processes has even increased. Uh, one is really clear customer and portfolio segmentation. Uh, it's not an easy thing to put in practice, requires detailed analysis, strong assumptions, and also behaviors around following that, What, how you would like to segment your consumer-based, customer-based portfolio. And assumptions on when, actually, this is one, one interesting thing. I think I can say to a degree, we actually learned even before pandemic, a big challenge from private label when it comes to uh, food products, right? And uh, you're existing, you have a portfolio where you have a pressure from the private label and you also have a pressure from the premium brands. And we, we try to have, we have certain premium brands, we have regular brands. And of course we, have, we are used to having competition from all, from all, all sides. So a portfolio actually has evolved over time. And during pandemic due to capacity constraints, of course, post the complexity, skew rationalization uh, were the things which actually drove us to really have more clarity on which which segment we would like to focus on. So that's one way of managing this, but it is super complex. It varies market by market, country by country, region by region, brand by brand, certain brands, we want to be on the premium, certain brands, we want to actually go and compete with private label. And to be interesting on certain products, I mean, uh, latest of a like, lot of assumptions around that we will see softness because of private label being very low price. We didn't see that. I think people are also getting used to inflation. And the consumer behavior also really, consumer preferences are also getting normalized to a degree, not fully there. At this point, I can say it, uh, the whole situation around planning has become more and more towards, uh, to, towards uh, like more of an economist job <laughs> at this point. Yeah. The interesting point that you make, the economist is always right on the back end, never on the front end. And so uh, the, using that, you know, sort of analogy. What surprised you about your, you know, the implementation of your SNLP processes? You indicated before your IDP process. What surprised you as you started to expand not only the engagement of your customers and your suppliers in your integrated planning? Was it on the data side, on the people side, on the trust side? Give me a sense of where you experienced most of your challenges. Yeah, I mean, surprises are on, of course, all fronts. But one of the biggest surprise was uh, that how how siloed certain functions are when it comes to collaborative planning. 
and it opened eyes because there were certain things around especially i mentioned like uh, the good example on the on the materials planning and collaboration with the suppliers right uh, you would assume that 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 would be part of your overall ibp process like uh, and we, we saw saw bigger gaps there and uh, this this was this came as a bigger surprise and if we think about how the the overall shortage of materials in the industry is i think that that is that was uh, the big gap overall, not in just one company or two companies, overall in the industry. And there's a broad, bigger and bigger need to bring uh, suppliers and also like internal procurement teams on the table when it comes to planning processes. So from my perspective, that was a bigger surprise. And that is the gap which needs to be closed to actually get out of this ongoing shortages, which we have been seeing. Be more collaborative with the suppliers. Yeah. You're involved in digital transformation, and that generally means technology. Uh, you talked about some of the changes you're looking at earlier, like more scenario-based uh, planning. So as you think about going forward, you know, what role is technology going to play in the future of planning? And what kind of capabilities are you looking for that maybe aren't in your legacy systems? Yeah, I would say like um, anytime we would like to, of course, be more advanced from the technology perspective, there's a maturity journey, adoption takes time, people take time to digest the new functionalities and all that. But for us, the, the biggest one to start with is more visibility to the drivers of demand, to the, to the leading indicators. That's the first step in the maturity. A lot of that information, basic things like point of sales data doesn't typically flow in your legacy planning systems. Like having the visibility to point of sales is one of the biggest win, having the visibility of your future looking orders, which have already been placed by the customers, having the visibility of the customer replenishment plans, the ones, the mature ones, big ones, large ones like Walmarts, they actually do share. Having that visibility is the starting point. And then next, of course, is like uh, more advanced modeling techniques to actually remove the bias in the planning. We know there will always be a bias, of course, um, uh, but how can we be more statistical driven, more advanced modeling techniques driven, data science driven uh, way to drive our uh, planning, at least the baseline plan. So that that is the future. And of course, over time, uh, we would like to have uh, to upscale the organization so that planners can actually digest this enormous amount of data sets in the most efficient way, exception-based way, without getting overburdened by 10 different variables versus they were used to two variables to look at in the past. Faz, I'm glad you brought up that last point, and that's that uh, integration of your technology with the competent individuals that we have in the organization. Give me a sense of some of the challenges that you're having, not only finding, but developing the talent within the supply chain. Uh, we know that there's been a dearth of supply chain talent for years. This does not start with the pandemic. It's been historic. How are you addressing some of the talent gaps so that you can take advantage of the technology and some of the different processes that you're implementing? I think one area def we definitely, uh, I won't say it's not fully successful, but uh, something making good progress is to really look into what are the value-added activities. I think that exercise should be should happen in any organization on a continuous basis, uh, where we can free up people's time. Uh, especially supply chain folks have gone through a lot of challenges, a lot of burnout in the last two years. And it's not going to end. We know that it's not going to end soon. So that's the area, of course, have been focused. How can we actually, you know, make this function not go through this continuous churn and free up their time and also uh, develop the capabilities uh, from the skill set perspective, make them more equipped, uh, enroll them into programs like ASCM certification 
to to have them do decision making in the right way rather than getting stuck into the details also this is one of the one of the key skills as because the supply chain is complex you can get into it and you can just go into the rabbit hole uh, so you have to be really about like how you can make the decisions uh, uh, in a quick quick way one example i give uh, like i think a lot of people especially who have the background in forecasting forecast is always going to be wrong and you can spend literally 10 years and still won't be 100 percent accurate so you need to be really much smart about and also play the art piece not just the science and math piece when it comes to certain processes right so that that's how it has been uh, market has been very challenging so we have to be more connected with the people build relationships it should it shouldn't be a job it should be a career uh, people should feel the blogging. Uh, there has been a lot of focus on engagement. Faz, thank you so much. Uh, quite a bit to take away. Uh, we could continue this conversation on for uh, another hour at least. Uh, that is all the time that we have today. A special thanks to our guest, Faz Rahman from Kraft Heinz. And finally, a special thanks to you for joining us today for this episode of The Rebound. We hope we'll be back for the next episode. For The Rebound, I'm Abe Ashkenazi. And I'm Bob Troublecott. All the best, everyone. Thanks again, Faz. Thank you. The Rebound is a joint production of the Association for Supply Chain Management and Supply Chain Management Review. For more information, be sure to visit ASCM.org and STMR.com. We hope you'll join us again.